Let's go. much for coming to look who's ranting now twitter space if you don't know it is your girl yarga karma and tonight you're tuned in to topic tuesday listen we are here every tuesday at 8 30 where we're going to give you a topic and we want you to talk about it so when you're ready to talk there's a microphone at the bottom of your screen you just hit it and we will put you on and once again thank you so much for coming through y'all could be anywhere in the world doing whatever you want with your time but y'all are here with us and we really appreciate you and joining me tonight, even though I don't know if he's joining me tonight or not. I don't know what he got going on. Uh, he's the man <laughs> with the vision, the big dog, the boss man. The reason why we are here, just from his vision, Artiste Cologne, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you? you for the intro. No doubt. No doubt. Doing pretty good. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. And um, we got Mr. Boom requesting to speak block him as a matter of fact because he's been getting on my nerves all week no you can't do that just getting on my nerves all week (laughs) but um so tonight guys we're going to talk about is black owned support fake okay um i was watching a video the other day about black owned support what it should look like what we should do you know you have some people that have strong opinions like when you go support a black owned business um whether you get bad service or not uh, you should still go support. Or when you're supporting a Black-owned business, you know, um, you should accept, I guess, any kind of treatment or um, any kind of um, crisis. Um, or on the flip side of that, that maybe we're too hard on people who have their own business as a Black person. Shout out to Ebony Cutie up in here. Um, so I wanted to talk about, is Black-owned support fake? Another um, aspect that I'm going to touch on is... Um, do black people support black owned when it's popular, right? Or are you really supporting black owned in your local community? Like what does it take for people to support black owned business? So the first question that I'm going to ask of everybody, whoever wants to speak, remember the mic is at the bottom. What does black owned support look like to you? If somebody's truly <clears throat> supposed to support a black when it's black owned, period, right? What does it look like to you? I guess um, for me, I guess I'll jump on in there. Um, Black-owned support is just patroning something that, that is useful to you. You know what I'm saying? So if if you cut grass or, or whatnot and nobody has grass, you know, or the person doesn't have grass, they're not obligated to, you know, support you or use your business if it's not useful to them. But it's just, you know, if there's an option, if it's useful for you, if it's financially viable, you know, Black support. Okay, so only if it's useful. Other than that, you can like turn the cheek. So my my question is, is that really Black-owned support? Or is that just you supporting something that you need? Well, it's Black-owned support because you have options. You know, you can spend money any way you want to. So it's like when you choose to spend it, you know, with the mindset of, you know, or seeking out a Black-owned business, I think you're, you're doing right. You're doing right. It's not fake support because it's real money. 
Come on, real money. All right, Shada Barber got his hand up. Shada Barber, who is an entrepreneur, uh, what does Black-owned support look like for you? Um, Black-owned support looks like keeping the money rotating into the Black communities, keeping the money in Black hands. Uh, they say that the Black dollar doesn't go around a block more than once, whereas um, any ethnic group, their dollar goes around their block for years. So if we can extend the time that we can keep that money within the black community so that we can keep enriching black businesses and they can improve on what they're able to do because we can build our own infrastructure and afford our own abilities to improve. Um, That's what black support looks like to me. So if somebody doesn't have that mindset to you shy, does that mean that their black owned support is fake or that it comes with too many conditions? I wouldn't say that it's fake. Um, in regards to if it comes with conditions, it would depend on that person's understanding of self, one, because your your limit to understanding who you are as African-American can set set up false expectations in other people because you don't really know what your expectation is of yourself or your your standards are at a certain point. So when you go somewhere, you expect something more than what you're not even capable or willing to give. Um, I wouldn't call it fake. I would just call it a a mess sometimes because we, we <laughs> set false. We set these real, real fake, false expectations of black-owned business, but it's really buying into the narrative of disparaging each other. It, we're buying into the narrative of what everybody else says that wrong with black business. And not necessarily having your own opinion or giving a business enough of a chance to disprove what you've already said as a false expectation. Okay, I like that word, false expectation. And we're going to definitely go back to that. Uh, Before I move on, does anybody else want to give their definition of what Black-owned support should look like? No, okay, so I'm going to move. Black-owned businesses and um, local shops. I'm sorry, what you say? Oh, I said um, supporting and promoting Black-owned businesses and local shops in the area. Okay, just in local shops in the area. I think I think that's a big one that people are missing when it comes to Black-owned support. Um, I think a lot of times that people only support Black-owned, like if it already has a name for itself, if it's popular, if it's a celebrity, like if it's that little restaurant, you know, locally downtown and you know it's Black-owned, like sometimes people will walk right past it, especially if they're just starting up. Mr. Boom, who's not at an undisclosed location this week, what you got? What is your take or your definition on Black-owned support? So the way I think about it, like, you know, when it comes to Black-owned support, kind of like small business, right? So if I like to get gas, you know, I got to get gas to get around every week. And there's a Black-owned gas station, excuse me, with reasonable prices. I might as well go to them if they're not too far up the way. Like Shai was saying, to keep the money revolving in the community. But then another thing is, uh, just like small businesses, right? Because people like to go to Walmart to buy everything, but there's a convenience store around the corner that sells you everything Walmart has for the same price or maybe a few dollars, maybe like a few cents more. Like, you know, go ahead and spend those few extra dollars because it's going to make a bigger impact in the smaller business. You know? So then, yeah. so like, because, you know, Walmart, a lot of those big businesses take 
the small business is out of business all the time. So whenever we have the opportunity to support a small local business, then do it. Because that could be you one day out here with a small business trying to get your foot out there. So I always do it. I like that. I like that. Just taking the time to go and support, um, you know, a, a local business. Courtney, uh, you requested to be a speaker. Do you want to talk about what's your definition of black owned business or black owned support? I'm sorry. I do. Um, Let's go. I believe black owned support, I mean, really could be whatever in the individual is. And I don't want to say that to kind of uh, to just kind of make a blanket statement, but Everyone, uh, non-black people or non-people of color, they don't think about what they uh, consider supporting another business is. They they see the product or the service, and then they simply gauge it uh, according to either price, um, or proximity, all of that. And then when it comes to us, I feel like we have all these um, parameters that we add to say, well, is this considered support? Can I just if I just happen upon this, a local shop that just so happens to have what I need, is that in itself just not supporting it? Why do we have to add su- such parameters to it? So for me, it would be, is black, what is black owned support? Simply that, just supporting when you find out about it, if you come across it, if you see it, if I need it at the time and the funds allow me to do so, it's just, it's just that. Absolutely. And I like that you said that when you talked about um, putting all of these kind of um, parameters on it. Right. I would even go as far as to say sometimes people put maybe somebody can't even buy from your business. Right. What if they just, you know, post your post all the time? Sometimes for some people, that's not good enough. Right. Uh, Shada Barber, you got your hand up. What you got? I wanted to touch on something that uh, what's his name? Uh, Courtney. Courtney. I want to touch on something he said that I, uh, it's a, a discussion that we, we have in a barbershop pretty frequently. I think that the the emphasis that's put on how black people decide to spend their money with other black businesses versus how other ethnic groups decide to spend their money, it's the same thing that's happening. The only difference is, well, not even necessarily a difference, it's the same. People decide to spend their dollars where they feel the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the same reason why uh, Caucasians can walk into a predominantly black business, whether it's black owned or not. And they decide not to spend their money there because no one looks like them. It's not a comfort for them to spend their money there. It's the same reason why a brother can walk into a predominantly Caucasian business, something like uh, let's say haircuts, for instance, my brother will walk into a barbershop, and if 90% of them barbers inside of that shop don't look like him and the clients don't look like him, nine times out of ten, he's not going to spend his money there. He's not going to be comfortable spending his money there. That's the, okay. It goes hand in hand. Comfort. I never even thought about comfort. I think comfort is a big one. Um, so the next question uh, that I want to ask, um, have black businesses caused all of these parameters to be put on them, right? Something that we see when it comes to certain black businesses are a lot of people talk about the customer service, but, you know, like they say, people continue to go to other places where the customer service might not be as great and they still shop there. Why is it when it comes to black owned support that um, we measure um, ourselves harder? Right. We always are way harder on our own than we are on. You know, if we're going to Walmart, how many times you went to Walmart and you got horrible service, but you still go to Walmart. 
So I think that kind of goes back to that comfort thing that um, that you were talking about, Shai. Agree with it, but then also uh, uh, disagree with it because, like, I'll, I'll get on the women. Like, um, for instance, women, you know, oh, she was she wasn't nice to me when I went and shopped at her. But you go to these Asian stores where these Asian people are not nice to black people. They don't even like black people. But you go get your hair products from them every single week, right? So why, when you're shopping with a black business, something goes wrong? You might have a bad experience. Do you do the extra? I'm never shopping there again. I'm never doing this. This is why black business can't this. Have black businesses caused you to be harder or is that just our default? Ebony Cutie, who is a black business owner herself. Uh, first of all, shout out your business when you come speak, but also... Uh, Tell us uh, what you want to talk about. Hey, y'all. Um, if y'all don't know, I sell luxury um, bonnets. They uh, come with hair ties that tie around to secure the bonnet so it doesn't fall off overnight. Um, I wanted to talk on this question because I feel like a lot of the pressure that black the Black community has on Black-owned businesses is, in my opinion, internalized white supremacy. Because we tend to hold each other to a different standard, regardless, even outside of Black-owned business. I think that we just tend to be harsher on us to produce and function at a higher level of efficiency and excellence. And that stems from white supremacy. So that is why we're able to go to Walmart and, and, and experience clerks and employees barely even looking in our direction, and that's fine. But the minute you don't get your order in enough in a certain amount of time or your order's incorrect with us Black-owned business... All hell breaks loose. The customer service was terrible. And it's just, it's blown out of proportion. Now, don't get me wrong because, you know, <laughs> we're not all ignorant to, for instance, hair braiders or hairstylists now who are overcharging and adding all these Absolutely. fees. That is very real. And that is a definite valid critique. But at the same time, I think that the standards we hold to each other is a lot higher due to internalized white supremacy. So I just wanted to say that. And that is a great point. That is an awesome point. Listen, I didn't even take it back to, to white supremacy. That, that's deep and that's a great point. And I think it does go back to that because black people do have to be 10 times as better. And so maybe we're just conditioned as a people to, to um, be harder on each other because that's just our standard, right? That's how we have to navigate this world. Shada Barber had his hand up first. So I'm going to go to him, then like a bug, then you, Courtney. Let's go, uh, Shada Barber. I actually had the exact same thing to say as uh, Sydney. Though it, it's definitely stemming from expectations that set through supremacy. However, I believe that it's it goes until it goes into the expectations that we set for ourselves as well. You, you have you been hearing that um, it's a TikTok kind of like a sound that's gone viral, where it says that people aren't upset at you because you made it they're they're upset with you because you made it from the same places that they were from or something like that it goes around that same saying but what happens is people see small black businesses thriving or even even the fact that people were willing to step out there on faith and start a small black business right absolutely absolutely because they they may still be operating in fear they don't have the understanding of what it takes to step out on their faith and stand on it. So when they come into your business, they come into it at its very infant stages and they have these expectations of you to have what Walmart has in uh. your beginning. So when they come to you in them infant stages, they're unwilling right. to be patient with you 
in regards to those things that you may be experiencing when it, that things that come with growth. You understand? You're going to have to go through some hurdles to get to that point. Walmart didn't start big, grand, and great. They started somewhere in someone's backyard, a basement, online, whatever the case may have you. And over generations, they became what they are. But it's through support from people who continue to go and shop with them even when they were in their infant stages. However, like Sydney said, we have such a high expectation on each other. We have a higher expectation on us to fail than we do on us to succeed. And because I'm gonna put of that, that on the shirt. I'm gonna put that on the shirt. <laughs> because of that, I feel like we go in and we can't wait to see something wrong because that's the expectation as it relates to black business. What what am I what negative thing am I gonna experience? where I can go and tell somebody else, this is why I don't support black business. That's become a popular thing to do, to be the person to scream why you don't support black business. Let me come up with a new reason as to why you shouldn't support black business, because hopefully I'll go viral off of it. It's crazy how it bleeds into everything. It's, it become, it's becoming popular to not support black business or have a reason that's unique that people haven't seen that other people can jump on that bandwagon absolutely and uh y'all thank y'all so much for joining right now the question that we're asking is why are we so hard on uh black owned businesses and i see y'all hands up i'm definitely going to get to y'all the next person in line was like a bug like a bug what did you wanted to say in regards to this question um i wanted to say something i guess a slightly uh slightly different way but um i work in customer service so for me personally i hold everybody at a, at a standard because I know what I deliver when I'm working, when I'm on the clock. So I do have those expectations and I have them from everybody. So if I don't meet those, if those expectations are met, no matter where I'm going, I most likely won't come back or I will avoid that particular employee when I go back. Um, for instance, oh, the hair stores, you brought up hair stores. I typically don't even shop on, go inside hair stores anymore. Now I get them online or I buy them at the boutiques on Instagram. I just don't go in there because the customer service isn't, it isn't welcoming. So I'm not going to spend my money there. Um, but that's just me. Got you. So for you, it's, it's across the board, no matter if it's black owned, wherever you go, um, you know, you hold them at a standard. I like that. Courtney, you were next. What you got? So really quick. So three quick points. One, internalized white supremacy. We always have said that we have to be twice as good to get half of what they have. And we internalize that when we deal with our own. So Sydney said that nail on the head. Number two, we also have to realize that in a lot of small black owned businesses, as opposed to somewhere like Walmart, your target, you're dealing directly with the proprietor for the most part. So if I have bad customer service at Walmart or bad customer service at Wendy's, I can justify going back because I know that wasn't the proprietor. But if I have bad customer service right there with the person who I know owns this small black business, to me that's a that's a immediate no. I'm I'm out um, because I know that this person is offering this product and this service, and if this is the type of service that you're getting, and you want me to come back simply on that blanket statement of that you're a black owned business, I can't support that as a consumer. I still I have consumer buying power. My dollars mean something. So no, simply because you look like me, it, it, I'm sorry, it won't, it won't pass. And my third one, I lost it, but I'm standing <laughs> on those two right there. 
I and I love your second one. I love your second one. I think that is a huge difference when it comes to your bad experience, like at a big store like Walmart compared to if you're dealing directly with the owner and you receive bad service because at that point you're looking at the face of the business like, oh, this is what you're doing. So that's a great point. Cap Lee, thank you for joining us. I see your hand up. What you got? Yeah. Um. So um, for me, I just feel like the internalized white supremacy thing, that's one of the reasons, not for me personally, but like probably just generally. Also for me, like, I know for me, I feel like from day one, there got to be some standards that you can, like, that you got to hold to, that I got to hold you to. Meaning, like, I don't expect your website and everything to be perfect from the beginning, but I just feel like sometimes when it comes to small businesses, I don't want to be that person that um, comes with you on that journey of basically getting your shit together. I kind of want to, you know, get in when you got your shit together because, to be honest, small businesses the problems they have when they grow are things that are deal breakers for me sometimes for example <clears throat> i don't want to go on your website like let's say you start a t-shirt t-shirts.com or whatever i go on the website and i see that maybe the designs look cheap you know that cheap screen printed design those gilding fruit of the loom t-shirt designs right. that, that's gonna get fucked up after you wash it once i'm like i, I can't do that i'm sorry or, 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 or like maybe, or maybe you, oh, this is the one that kills me. If any of y'all have businesses, please stop doing this. Y'all kill me with the DM to order shit. Like you're not selling weed. I'm not DMing you to buy nothing, to buy nothing. I'm not paying you. I need a secure website. I need a website with an SSL on it. I need a website with an SSL on it. That's that padlock icon that's on the left of where the url is that means all your credit card information and everything is secure you have an uh, uh encrypted connection that means that Absolutely. going on this website everything is safe what kills me that actually drives me insane like like and that's a big problem it's not even about black owned business like i said i just think it's hard to like get in on the ground floor of customers with small businesses because the struggles they go through can be irritating those growing pains could be irritating for the customer. Like I said, if your website ain't on point or if the quality of your clothes ain't good or if your customer service is not nice or um, if you're just doing, you're just going about things in, in, in the wrong way, you know what I mean? Like um, the guy, the gentleman who spoke before me, I think he said he hit it right on the head. One of the advantages that Walmart or big companies have over you is like, let's say you go to Walmart and you buy, you have a bad customer service experience. First of all, Walmart, you know, because they don't want you to leave, they'll, they'll probably compensate you or refund you in some way. Or if they mess yeah. up, maybe it probably won't happen again. But if, you know, cooltshirts.com made by this entrepreneur who does it by themselves messes up, I'm less likely to go back because it's like, there's no guarantee that you that you won't make the same problem. I just think that it's about small businesses. And I don't know if it's necessarily about them being black, but like I just think small businesses have a hard time, to be honest, because I expect a certain amount of quality at the gate. Like I said, everything don't got to be perfect. But if I'm going to your website and things don't look good or the clothes in this stage don't look good because you probably got to pay for better designs down the line. If they're not good enough to get me in the door tonight, I just can't fuck with it personally. 
Like Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I agree with you so much, especially when it comes to, you know, like the DM to order or yeah, like, I'm, say I'm you not, buy something we're and not you're, doing like that. it's been three months. Like I didn't buy this from AliExpress. Where's my order? You right no, there in Chicago. I, I don't huh? care if, if it's coming <laughs> the next day. I'm not sending you no payment information or my address and no DM. I'm, that's sensitive information. Like yeah. I'm not putting my address or my phone number or my credit card info and nobody's DM. Like, I got a homie that I grew up with. Like, this is my homie, damn near my brother. Our moms know each other and all that. He was selling clothes and he lives in Florida. He's like, DM the order. I'm like, I'm paid through Cash App. I'm like, nah, nigga, you're not selling weed, bro. That's the only <laughs> thing that I'll pay someone through Cash App for. Uh, you selling t-shirts, bro. You, I'm not DMing you to order anything. Next time you're in New York, you could bring it to me. That's the way we're going to do that. I'm not DMing you to order anything. I can't, Absolutely. I, that's not a good way to. That's not a good way to to do business. Like I said, I think a lot of black owned businesses they think that they want you to buy off the strength that they black, and they feel like they don't. You know what I mean? You 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 gotta have you gotta set a standard for yourself. You can't just say, "Oh, y'all don't want to fuck me because I'm black." Like, nah. Like, is your website on point? Like, did you? You know what I'm saying? Do you have an Instagram? So, so business? let me ask. You, let me ask you this, Kathleen. Are you? Do you? So I totally feel you on some of those. You know, prerequisites that you got to order. Like I don't want to DM you. Like your website needs to be on point. Like you need to look. You need to have a standard for yourself. Um, do you feel like you're being too hard on them? Um, are you holding them at? Is that all businesses for you? Or is that just black businesses? Like, so, so the thing is, uh, um, Ebony Cutie said it, like we just say it like this, black people already come from behind, right? Especially when it comes to business stuff and everybody has to start somewhere. So why is it so hard for us to, you know, support them when they are starting up? Not saying they could DM you to order, right? But even if their website is a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, it don't look, it don't look. If it's choppy. Like you want it to look, yeah, you know. Why um, is that? Oh no, I'm good. No, no, nah, nah, I'm good. It depends, though. Like, I feel like if you put it this way, if your website is like, because again, you don't know what you don't know. I know people that, again, my cousin, he he makes clothes. He's he made his website by himself. He don't. He thinks that it looks good because he's making it, and he's not a web designer. For me, on the outside looking, I'm not a web designer, but you know, I went to school for marketing or whatever. He was trying to cut corners on paying for a web designer by doing it himself. But his clothes were nice enough to wear. I'm like, I I could kind of look past that. But I said, bro, you got to go on um, Fiverr and hire somebody to do this. Because you think this website look good, but it don't. I could put this in Google and see it takes a long time to load and a a whole bunch of other things. So like I said, I think if the product is crazy, like if it's fire or if it's good enough, you know, your website can, can, can be, you know, a little choppy in the beginning. But. As long as because hiring a web designer that that's expensive, so absolutely, they, and nobody's they gonna have that kind of money when they start now. Don't Think get me wrong. That. Don't get me wrong. If you don't got that off the rip, it's kind of okay. But in my opinion, I think when you launch your business, that's one of the first things that you need to budget for. If I if I own the pride of business, I would want the website to look professionally done from day one. Don't get me wrong. That's not the case for everybody, but I think if you got a good enough product, I could overlook that. As long as the website got encrypted information and it's a way I can order and it's reasonable shipping times, then, then, then that's cool. But if, if your product is not, if your website is not good and your product is kind of eh, I might be like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't really know. I just think it's, I just think to me, it's mostly about, to me, the execute, the the, the website and really the product. Because like, if you, if you if, again, if you got a safe way I could order, I'm with it. 
I'm not DMing you. I'm not going through cash app. I'm not meeting you in person. I'm not, I just wanted to, I just want to, my, my expression, I just want to click buttons. Amazon got so that. So I think that you're one of the consumers uh, that I'm actually talking about, Cap Lee, where, you know, it has to be a certain standard. And I, I would challenge you a bit that your standard may be a little bit too high. I feel you, but I think <laughs> it's a little bit too high. So I'm going to go to uh, Yeshua. They had their hand okay. up a long time. Let me see what they My got. Bad. Ask y'all some more. No, you're totally fine. Yeshua, what you got? Your hand has been up for a little bit. Oh, well, um, I just wanted to say, I think a lot of reasons, uh, well, I just got into late, so I'm just going to see if I can add my perspective. I think a lot of reasons why Black-owned businesses is the way they are, like why some people don't support it, is I think Black people as a whole, we've been so used to consuming white white-owned businesses, white products, because that's what's dominating, that's what's dominating in today's society. And I think when Black people start their own businesses, it's almost like something, it's something like not boring but it's it's kind of like we need like a jump start before we ever get to the same because the disparity between white owned businesses and black owned businesses is historically evident like for Absolutely. example because like because oh first things first there's a um tiktok creator in here that i follow i love her her name is sydney no, and that's no. ebony qt <laughs> that's oh. what i call her <laughs> ebony, yeah. no i love ebony her qt I, sydney I love her. I love her. She's love amazing. Her. I'm telling y'all, go check her out on TikTok. She's a business owner. I'm going to have her shout yeah. herself out again before we get out of here, but uh, keep going. Yeah, I wanted to say, I'm about to get, I'm about to buy, I'm about to buy a bonnet from her soon, but I like, I really love her content. She educates, she educates me every day on shit, but I think like the huge disparity between like businesses, the black owned businesses and white owned businesses is very evident because you can see like, like in the sixties and seventies, how the black owned businesses was really booming until we got into like integration. And now all of a sudden, you know, all our money goes back into white people's hands. And I think a lot of it has to do with education because we don't really learn anything about business until like we get to college and we take like an actual class on it like, absolutely oh, financial business. literacy is lacking in the black community yeah, that's, that's another true. thing that's another thing and i think that's why when like that's why i think because we're so used to white consumerism that when it comes to black people it's 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 kind of new to us because i like i'm not saying like a lot of people don't like that shit together but like some of it be unorthodox or or you know doesn't fit the dogma that we're so used to and that's why we like i think that's why we complain so much because we're so used to white consumerism and i feel like there's like a shift going right now because i'm about to start my own business as well I'm congratulations yeah um so i'm a poet basically a writer and I, it's always been one of my dreams to be like the next like langston hughes or like james baldwin of this of this generation because i feel like because wow. I, I feel like i don't i, I don't know I, I just feel like this generation we don't really have a poet i mean that we do I don't, I don't know if y'all know her but her name is like amanda gordon i freaking love that woman like she's amazing y'all should really go check her out she was the black woman who gave the gave her speech in, in the inauguration of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, basically. And yes, she's like, I remember her. She's like one of my biggest inspirations. I think she's only twenty four. But yeah, I'm 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 am a poet and I do open mics um all the time every weekend. Like I'm only twenty years old, so like I know I still got a lot to learn. But hopefully, in a couple more years, people get to know my name more. So yeah. Absolutely, and listen. Good luck on your. Um, business and being a poet and everything that you want to be. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. Again, we're talking about is Black-owned support fake? So far, we've covered 
the kind of parameters that we put on each other and how we're really hard on each other. And we try to measure each other up to other businesses. I'm not even just going to say white businesses because there's Asian, there's Indian, there's all these other businesses that we try to measure up to. And I kind of don't think that it's fair. So um, the next question that I want to ask, just to keep it moving along, when it comes to comparing, I want y'all to answer this question. Is it fair? So we have like a bug who said, you know, um, it doesn't matter. I have the same standard no matter what. When you take um, into consideration such as, you know, white supremacy, you know, coming from behind, you know, um, or where black people are just left out of the loop in so many things. Right. Um, is it fair to hold a black business to the same exact standard as a business from another culture? And anybody can jump in. I see y'all hands up. Whoever wants to jump in first. Can I say something real quick before uh, Absolutely. the next person jumps in? I just want to say, listen, love the support. This show is a black-owned business. And to see so many people in here, you know, sharing their opinions and, um, you know, being around each other, supporting each other, I like this. It's what I like to see, man. I love it. So I just wanted to say yes. thank y'all. Thank y'all for being here, being a part of the show. Absolutely. Again, y'all could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. Courtney, let's uh, take it to you. What what you got? I believe that black businesses do put a lot on the black consumer. We, I believe, and I say we, I was a black business owner for a very small stint, but I believe we expect so much more of black consumers. And that kind of creates this uh this division if you will um a lot of black people we just kind of want to click and buy like the brother said i just need to go to your website i need to <laughs> click what i need to click i need to go but when it right. comes to black people or black business owners saying hey y'all aren't supporting me as i'm growing i'm not there yet i don't care um, Ooh, why why don't you care? Why don't you I, care? When I say I don't care, I mean it strictly as a consumer, not as a black okay. consumer, but as a consumer. I know that hey, I need X, Y, and Z. I'm going to go out of my way and say, you know what, I'm going to buy black. I'm going to see if I can find it. If it comes across my Twitter, my TikTok, what have you, I'm going to look into you. I go and I click your website down. And it says, go to my IG. That's too much. I'm just going to Walmart because I'm going to click it. And, and the <laughs> amount of clicks that it takes me to finish is going to be four clicks. That'll be four to seven seconds. And that's it. I do believe at some stages, black business owners expect more of black consumers. So my question would be, then why, why do you expect so much more? And what can you do to get up to par? That is what I would say. I love that question. And we got some entrepreneurs in the house. We got Shada Barber and Ebony Cutie. We also have uh, Artiste Cologne, who's also an entrepreneur. And I want y'all to answer that question, please. Why do you expect more from the black consumer? Shada Barber, your hand's been up for a while. We'll start with you. I actually wanted to answer the question. I'll answer that question, but I wanted Absolutely. to answer the question that you posed. Should it be a difference um, in black business and otherwise? I feel like yes and no. The expectation of customer service and experience that you get when you, uh, uh, what's the word? I know I'm going to mispronounce this, but I guess a patron of black mm -hmm. business should be consistent no matter who is operating that business. That expectation should be the same. However, I do not believe that 
the expectation of what a black business can offer you versus um, other ethnic businesses should be the same because the infrastructure isn't there for black business. We don't own any banks. We don't own the farmland where we can open up the uh, grocery stores. We don't own the uh, manufacturing plants that can provide or supply these businesses so that they can afford to price things at a price that's uh, competitive with the other businesses within that same market. We don't have the infrastructure to be competitive with other brands of business. So a lot of times what you're seeing again is that infant stage of business and is on a very ground level and, and people that are operating those businesses, they're trying to be as competitive as possible while maintaining some type of margin of, um, uh, Jesus Christ, profit. In a lot of cases, black businesses aren't even making a profit. They're, they're making a dead set. What I buy is what I get. And they're doing that for a matter of a year or two just to get the traction so that the business can stay afloat so that they can start to change things on how they approach. Got you. Got you. Ebony Cutie, what you got? First of all, thank y'all for the shout out. Y'all so sweet. Um, what I would say is while it is unfortunate that we are disadvantaged as a community, how we don't have access to resources that other races may, business is business. <laughs> and so, you know, when it comes to running a business, I understand that even though I'm disadvantaged, if I have a customer who is looking to me to shop with, they're looking for top level, top service, customer service. They're, they're, look, they're looking for an experience that I want to provide. So I'm going to do my best, even with those disadvantages stacked up against me, to provide that. Um, I feel like sometimes, not all the time, I do feel like some Black entrepreneurs kind of lean into the fact that we're disadvantaged a little bit too much to excuse their poor behavior in their own uh, business running. Which isn't really Absolutely. fair. I feel like, you know, yes, we have these obstacles. However, you can still be able to provide great customer service, even if you're not able to access certain resources, you know. So while I do understand that we may have setbacks, I wouldn't dictate that to be an excuse for you to not show up as a business owner and do your part properly. So that's how I see it. Um, I just think that you roll the punches. If you don't have the access or the means to do something that maybe a white business owner could do, you can still be nice about it. You know, you can, still, you can still professionally say, I apologize. I don't have the ability to do so, but I can offer you this instead. You know, um, I just think that we can't let what society tries to, like, we, we can't let society trying to hold us back, hold us back. If that makes sense. Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And so, um, the other word that I want to use with you all is unconditional support, right? Um, I feel like a lot of the times, and um, I think Kathleen is a, is a great example of this, his support is not unconditional just because you're Black, right? Just because you're a Black-owned business, um, you don't support it unconditionally. But like some of y'all are sneakerheads up in here, you know, y'all <laughs> buy those sneakers every single time. So I, I just think that uh, black support just can be a little bit better. Like a bug, you got your hand up. What you got? Um, I was actually going to piggyback off of what um, Cindy had said, um, that for me as a black consumer, because I don't own nothing. I'm definitely a consumer <laughs> out here. Um, I, I know resources are important on the business end, but for me as a consumer, 
Like customer service is everything. So your product could be, eh, but if you're so sweet or like very professional and I'm getting quality customer service, I'm probably not going to buy it. And I think it's very important that customer service is the forefront, not all the time, but I think it's very important for black consumers. Well, for me. You know what? And if I had to give it a percentage, I'm going to say it's up 70 plus percent. If your customer service is bad, like it is just horrible. And speaking from a black consumer, I always try to support black business, but I've been met with a lot of bad experience when it comes to it. But I'm going to be honest, it doesn't stop me from supporting. I may not go to your store again because I don't want to experience you. Right. But I may, you know, buy from your website. Kathleen, what you got? Yeah, so um, I guess um, I'm, I had to put my hand up when I heard that uh, that Jordan Nike comment <laughs> because to be honest with you, that's a perfect example. To be honest, like I know when I buy some Nikes, they're gonna be the, they're gonna be fire every time because they have quality control and they have a a a, a level of 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 you know they 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 have a um a certain you know, a certain reputation when it comes to the quality of their stuff. I know when I buy a pair of Nikes, I know what I'm getting when I buy a pair of Ups. I don't know what y'all call them where y'all from, but the ones I call them Up, Uptowns. I know mm -hmm. when I buy, I know what I'm getting every time I buy them. So I don't even know if that's a fair comparison to make. You know, Nike's a big time corporation. So they have the infrastructure and they have the means to make sure that every pair of shoes they ship out is quality. So like, well, that that I think that's the point. It's like, you know, these companies, mm -hmm. you know, while you might have the quality and everything, they're how many years ahead of a, a right. black business owner that might be in the game, maybe true, like true. two years. Yeah. So how is it fair to be like, right. I know what I'm getting over here, but mm -hmm. you, you, you know, I just feel like it's too hard. And, and when it comes to black owned support, again, it, it's we're just way too hard on um, yes. people who are entrepreneurs. Yeah, we're some people are like too that. Hard. I could just only speak for me. Like I, I know it'd be it make the conversation harder if everybody spoke for themselves. But for me, I just feel like, for for example, if someone makes food, I don't expect it to be five star. If it's good and it's edible and it looks good and the pictures is what was in them pictures, then we good. If I see a, if I buy a 10, 20 piece shrimp and I find one tail, I'm not gonna say oh, I'm not gonna complain. Like some people are very. You know, th th that's that's going overboard. You know what I'm saying? For me, as long as it's a decent quality product, and honestly, for me, best case scenario is we don't got to get to the point of customer service. To be honest, like, uh, ideal scenario for me is, again, I just like to click buttons. I want to click buttons and that's it. The ideal situation for me is I don't have to come to you with a complaint. So I don't really have to experience whether your customer service is good or not. The ideal scenario is me hitting... I add the cart and me getting my stuff in a timely manner. So, you know, your customer service don't got to be Zappos level or Chick-fil-A level. I think that's super unfair. Nobody being Chick-fil-A level now. Yeah, yeah. You, people, you, nobody. Nobody yeah, people, is being Chick-fil-A level but that's, customer service. Now you being unfair. No, I'm saying that's what some people be wanting. They, they be wanting a certain nah. level. They be, I'm just saying you, you, you got to be, pe people act like, you know, you don't got to, have such super high standards on the customer service. It just has to be good. It has to be decent. That's all I'm saying. For me, like the I like I said to me, the ideal situation is me me not even having to come to you for customer service. The closest to that maybe be a, a FAQ. Maybe I got a question about something, but the 
the, the best case scenario is, is me buying your stuff, it fitting perfectly, it being great, and maybe I'll fill out a survey. But other than that, I don't come to you with anything after the fact because it's good. I don't need to say anything to you after that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That, that's, Absolutely. that's the perfect scenario. Me just hit add the cart, I get the hoodie, it fits nice, and that's it. If I don't hit you back so you, after that... So you need to just be a smooth transition. Ex- like, ex- the standard exactly. needs to be like, here's the product, it looks nice, I can click and buy it. That's go. it. I am, I am the convenience king. I'll pay for it. That's why I like the buy it now option on Amazon. I don't even have to hit my address. I just hit the buy it now. I got the um the Amazon pickup lockers by my crib because I know the mailman scared to come in my building sometimes. I just go pick them up from the Amazon locker at the Whole Foods. Not scared, but they don't want to come in because it's optional for them. They could just leave an attempted delivery slip, but that's besides the point. I like convenience. I just want to be able to click a button. I just want I, I just want the whole transaction to be seamless. Like if you make it easy for me to to buy something from you, that's 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 perfect to me. And if your site is slow. Then I can't do that. Or if I gotta DM you to buy it, then I then that's not possible. You know what I mean? I know when I started my business, I ain't sending you no link to DM to buy. I ain't gonna get yeah. No don't money. send it to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> don't even get it off yeah, the ground that, yeah, till you got a site. Pet I gotta keep driving at home because that that drives <laughs> that go, that drives me nuts because it's not good for you. What if you miss a DM? Like as the you like as a business owner, what if you miss a DM for an order from somebody? How you gonna right. find it? Listen, pe- but people have to. Say, it's it's a lot of people that have businesses where it's just cash app only or it's DM oh, yeah, only because see, they're man. they're just starting. And yeah. um, another point that we talked about um, on our Thursday show is that how some markets are oversaturated. So mm-hmm. some people are becoming business owners, right? Don't know Very what true. they're doing. And they're just doing it any kind of way. Hey, I sell lashes. Here's my cash app. Hey, I sell hair. Here's my cash app. And they feel like they're a business owner. This shit got to be fire if you want to differentiate yourself. It it has to be fire. So, um, while I do think that on some parts we can give a little bit of grace, Cap, because you're kind of hard a little bit, um, there are some things where the standard uh, could be better. So, I want everybody to go into a black consumer. I know we have entrepreneurs here. What are some things you experience as a black consumer when it comes to black-owned businesses, uh, other than the DM to buy? <laughs> uh, what are some things that you've experienced that black businesses can do better so that it's not so off-putting buying from black businesses so that we're not um, in this space or, or we're on this defense about buying black? So, Shy, your hand's been up for a little while. I know you want to say something on the previous one. What you got? No, I could drop it. Ain't no sense of beating a dead horse. To answer the question, I would say this. I would say it from the perspective of being a business owner. Instead of just allowing or throwing, casting out this enormous net to, to catch whatever consumer you can, I think that black businesses or any small businesses can do a better job at targeting the market that they want to sell. Target the market of who you want as your consumers. Be particular. Be, be extremely picky with who you want to deal with as consumers. Because like the uh, the brother said, you have people out here who have extremely high expectations of what they want, but they may not necessarily understand the perspective of what it takes to, to meet those expectations. So for me, a way to get around all that, to make sure that he doesn't have a bad experience and I don't have a bad experience, and I can make sure that the business is protected in the sense of word of mouth being positive, 
I purposely target the consumer in which I want to deal with and the consumer that's best fitted for what it is that I offer. I like that. I like that. Courtney, what you got? You were next. I would say as a black consumer, I need professionalism across the board. A perfect example is the brother just said, targeting your audience and being intentional intentional with who you want to purchase your product. I think a lot of people or black businesses that I've seen personally, only my experience, they tend to believe that everyone is a certain age and a certain level of like, hey, we cool. And when you if you reach out, you review their, their IG post or what have you, it, everything just seems so conversational, so so cool. If that's the type of product that you're selling, then that uh, advertisement is acceptable. If you're selling something that is real cool, real down to earth, you're, you're going for the every man, quote unquote, then it makes sense if the way that you're advertising to me is, hey, bro, come, you know, come fuck with my stuff. OK, I understand that. But if I'm coming to you as any other type of product or service, I need you to understand that I'm coming here because you're black and you have the product that I need. But we are not in this situation. This is a professional exchange. This is a professional interaction. I need professionalism. I don't, hey, bro, what you need today? Uh, that's not what I'm here for. I need, hey, how you doing? Nobody's asking you, hey, Massa, what you need today? I'm not asking for that. <laughs> Um, but I, I need Just a some certain kind of, I'm not your friend. I'm your customer. Yes, Treat me I am your such. customer. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Uh, Miss Cindy, what you got? Uh, as a black consumer and black entrepreneur, what I would say is I would wish that more black owned businesses did research because I think that a lot of us, especially with the day and age of social media, a lot of us see entrepreneurs who have already made it who have the Teslas and they're breaking, you know, records and sales and minutes. And they just, they want that. But what they haven't seen is the fact that the entrepreneur has been doing their job for five years. In those last four years, they were struggling. They didn't see that part. They didn't see the highs and lows of the actual process of running a business. So I think that what happens is a lot of us see the end goal and don't realize just how much it takes to get to that point. And then when they're in it, they're disengaged. They're not passionate about it. And that's where you're getting the poor customer service because they didn't do the proper research. So I think that researching your business, your niche, what you're, what you're trying to sell, is it oversaturated? All those things are very important to research before we even begin to put out a product. So yeah, I would say research. Absolutely. I love that one. Queen Angel, what you got? Good night, everyone. Um, so pretty much... Um, the speaker for me say research, and that's the same thing I was going to say, but on a different level. Um, I have 20 years of management experience, and from the business side, a lot of Black businesses do not do research for as, like, prime example. <laughs> I was about to buy some bed bombs from this Black-owned site today. Mm-hmm. Go on the site. She has a sale. Put it to my cart, shipping $15. No, ma'am. <laughs> Click out. You know, here's the thing. I know for a fact, because I, I've actually shipped stuff out. I've actually done business, and that's from like a corporate level to on a personal level, because I used to do phone cases, epoxy cases. I bought so, some. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So shipping does not cost that much, even in 2022, even with the the rising costs and everything and the mail, everything, it does not cost that much to ship. So if you, you know, to 
shipping is a big thing for me. I can I can love your thing. I can love your product, but if your shipping is like unreasonable, I'm not going to order from you. Like um, Black Smoke, I love what he's doing. I want I want a vape pen, but I live two minutes away from the shop. I'm not going to pay nine dollars to ship something to around the corner. That that doesn't make sense to me. And then also right. when I do inbox as a customer, hey. I don't live that far. Can I just come pick it up from the website? Like, are you going to open a store? Yada, yada, yada. What about you? You know, how are you going to accommodate the slide out customers? What about I don't want to pay for shipping? Yada, yada, yada. I haven't got a uh, response. So that's also, when you have a business, you have to respond to your customers because some customers have legitimate questions. Um, and, and so you don't, you don't get a response. Or um, like the other guy said, it's, Oh, well, I'll get back with you when I get back with you. It's like no type of, like, I don't know you. I'm genuinely a customer. We're not friends. So when I'm asking a professional question, I want a professional answer. And a lot of Black-owned businesses, it's just a lot of us, and I'm going to say us, a lot of us jump into business because we're trying to get out. We're trying to get out. Queen Angel, you're pulling out just a little bit. Oh, yeah, we're trying to get away from something, you know. So a lot of us start businesses because, you know, we're trying to, you know, come up. So when you don't have no type of education, not 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 education like being smart, but business education, when you don't really truly know how to run a business, you run into those hurdles. You run into the customer service. You run into the shipping issue. You run into the replying issues and stuff like that. And I feel like there should be like a free course, like a free business course for beginners that want to start a business so they can be successful. I agree with you. So here's the next question that I want to pose to everybody. Are there too many entrepreneurs? Are there too many businesses? You know, we're coming off the heels of a pandemic. Um, A lot of things happen to people. So, um, you have a lot of people out here like, hey, I don't have to work. I can be my own boss, right? But when that happens, you get, you know, uh, the market that's oversaturated. So sometimes the good suffers for the bad, right? So you have everybody saying that, hey, I'm a boss. And so I think that's why sometimes you get these experiences. So is there a such thing as too many businesses, too many entrepreneurs? Shout out Barber. You had your hand up first. What you got? Man, first and foremost, let me just uh, say thank you, everybody. I just sent out a bunch of follow requests. I feel like everybody that's joining this, I want to follow you. I want to get to know you more and, uh, you know, follow back, whatever. But <laughs> it's, it's crazy you just asked that question because I was sitting here thinking to myself, like, have we even came up with what the standard of what can be um, defined as black business or black business ownership or entrepreneurship? What right. does that entail? I feel like until we as a people figure out exactly what that is because you you I feel like you have several categories of business right you got mm-hmm. your hustlers at the very very base level you know you people that's selling herbs selling tea selling plates out the crib whatever they hustle maybe right we're gonna keep right. it specific to hustlers right and then you have your people who are very on a ground level of entrepreneurship meaning that they found out multiple ways to um, make their money work for them, be it may they may they maybe have a hustle in addition to 
something more legitimate, like they started out with an LLC or a nonprofit or something like that. And then you have your business owners, people who've invested the time, money, and resources into a brick and mortar or a, um, a mobile business service that that has an actual address, a physical address, a physical website, a physical email, a physical bank account, things that they have. I hate to keep throwing this word around, but it is what it is. Infrastructure that supports that they are a business owner. I think you have to break it down to those categories because too often people will start selling um, T-shirts and call themselves a business owner. To me, you you hustling. You're not necessarily mm. you're a business owner in your own right, but true to the definition, you hustling. That's an unpopular opinion, but that's my opinion. Hey, I never looked at it like that because you know these days, if you sell something, people say, "Hey, I, you know, I sell shirts or I sell this or hey, even if I'm a scammer, I'm a business owner." So uh, that's an interesting perspective, and I actually like it, Miss Cindy. What you got? I personally don't think there are too many entrepreneurs, but I do think there are too many people out here who don't want to work, but also don't know about entrepreneurship. <laughs> I think there are people, too many folks out here who are just trying to make some money. And I think that they have kind of, due to like the panini and everything, they have kind of, I guess, infiltrated the, the <laughs> I, I call it everything but the pandemic. It's a habit at this point. Uh, I think the people who have realized they don't like the nine to five, but they also don't like entrepreneurship. There's a lot of people that are like that, who I I didn't think entrepreneurship was for me either until I got into it and realized I had a natural passion for it. So I feel like everyone, not everyone who owns a business is an, is an actual entrepreneur. Some people are out here just trying to make some money. And that's as far as it goes for them. They're not really chasing a passion or a dream. It really is just about, I saw this product made this person a lot of money. I want to sell this product too to get the same kind of outcome. And there's, that's just as far as it goes. So I feel like those people will naturally die out, whether it's due to lack of passion, lack of planning, mm-hmm. research, funding, whatever the case may be, they kind of naturally die out. But I think that, you know, as far as entrepreneurs go, I do think there are, this, this, pan, this panini <laughs> exposed a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, I think that this downtime made a lot of people kind of just stop, pause and reflect and realize they had other passions beyond their office space. So I think two things happened. We, we, we saw some natural born entrepreneurs rise through this time frame. And we also saw people who were just trying to get, get rich quick rise as well. So that's kind of what I've, I've seen anyway from this time frame. Absolutely. And I love that word passion because passion makes all the difference. If you don't have the passion for it, you are not going to last. And I think um, I agree with you over time. We'll see a lot of these, so say, bosses uh, go back to working. Uh, Courtney, your hand was up, but it went down. Let me know if you want to say something. What you got? I wanted to say that I don't. I do think, in d- depending on what what market you're in, there may be more uh, too many entrepreneurs. But then at the at the same respect, just kind of having two thoughts, um, just kind of fighting for each other. I don't think that there are. Um, and I believe it's the the quote that everyone uh, references, Master P, that said there are like 17,000 different uh, bread companies that sell loaves of bread. Why mm. can't you have the same, you know, do the same thing? If they're out here doing it, you do it too. Uh, yeah. But I think, now nah, I'm not anyone who majored in business, marketing, advertisement, any of that. But I do think that the question of are there too many entrepreneurs, 
I think the answer would be, I think that there aren't enough people who are, and I'm not sure of the correct term or phrase is do market research is yeah. what it is that you're trying to offer, sell, or what have you needed. Um, we often do talk about oversaturation, but if what you're offering is what people are looking for, then in my opinion, just as a black consumer, no, you just have to have the, the best product or just be more competitive than the other. But does oversaturation matter if what you're trying to offer is something people need? If it's not, and y'all are just out here all doing the same thing, offering the same type of product, and across the board, that product isn't selling, that service isn't being requested, then yeah, in that particular situation, I believe there will be too many people doing whatever it is that they do because they didn't do the proper research. Absolutely. There we go. Back to that research. Cap Lee, what you got? Um, to answer the question, I don't think there's too many entrepreneurs. If anything, if anybody, if I just want to start off, if any of y'all know people in New York who cook food and deliver and pick up and all that, please let me know. We don't got to, every time I see a good barber or a home chef, they never in New York. They always in the South. Every time. <laughs> Every time y'all I heard them, the South cook the best. It's over with. So anybody hey, that say that's one of them things. Else, I'm not. I'm the not South one of them. Cook the best. Yeah, Period. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. I'm not one of them people <laughs> that think my city is the best at everything. I want to get out of this bitch. But like, <laughs> if y'all know anybody that sells food, makes food in New York, please let me know. But yeah, I don't think it's too many entrepreneurs. I think that it's too many of them that's not unique. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, but. I probably find a new favorite clothing brand every year because you know they 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 you got to differentiate yourself. Like I said, nobody's gonna buy your screen printed Gildan Fruit of the Loom T-shirts. Nobody's. I'm not. Let me not speak for yeah. anybody. I'm not yeah. because it's cheap. The design is gonna wash off. It's gonna get fucked up after one wash. Or you give me the instructions, wash inside out. I know what that is. Or it's gonna get messed up after I one iron. Like, nah, I just think that not enough people are differentiating themselves. And a lot of business owners cut corners, like I said. A lot of them cut corners. The number one thing is, like like I said, just not being original enough. Again, there's nothing new under the sun, but I think if you have a clothing line or if you make food or whatever the case, find your own twist to put on it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe when you upload the food, attach your own hashtag to it or have unique packaging or a, a, a nice logo or... or or something like that. You know what I mean? Just try to Absolutely. find some way to outdo your competition. I don't think enough people are doing that. I just think I see... Again, I know nothing about lashes, but I see a lot... Of, <laughs> and again, this is probably actually a horrible example because I couldn't... Like, this is probably a horrible example because I could I, I wouldn't know fake or real lashes when I see them, but like sometimes when I see women post their bundles or whatever, I'll be like, damn, it seems like every IG influencer sells bundles. I don't know how any of them is differentiating themselves, but I remember one girl. Absolutely. That's a perfect example, actually. Yeah, I remember one girl. She she caught my eye, obviously. She caught my eye because she had a, uh, she bought a kiosk in the mall where you could buy her shit. Yes. I was like, yo, that's innovative. And everybody, people in here probably remember, somebody called the ghetto and everybody was on that girl ass. Nah. What's what's ghetto about it? Because if it was an ice cream machine or Cinnabon or some soda, you would have thought nothing of it, but because it's a, a kiosk with a black girl's picture plastered all over it and his hair, you think that it's ghetto. So 
that was one way that girl differentiated herself. She stood out to me. And there was this other girl. She was selling lashes, right? Mm-hmm. And she had them in, um, she put them in. Was it the little medicine bottles? Right. That and was, it was like a prescription. That, that was, was fire. Crazy. She sold out. Yeah, that she was, made it unique. And she going to keep selling out probably. Maybe somebody else bitter, but it don't matter. She, she was the first mover in that space. She going to be the OG of that anyway. Absolutely. She just, went crazy on Twitter when she Yo, for real. And everybody sell lashes, but she had that unique idea. And I think yeah, that yo, was you, a yeah. bundle. You know, Shorty, I did. Exactly. It, it caught your eye. And, and I also right. feel like one more complaint. What I think people need to stop doing on this app is like, um, stop expecting people on here to do the marketing for you. Like when I see people put, oh, it costs $0 to retweet my business. I feel like they passive aggressively saying, oh, you see my stuff. Don't scroll by. Just hit that Mm. one button. It's like, nah, bro, you asking us to do the marketing for you. You got to do, you know what I mean? That's a passive aggressive way of saying, oh, y'all tweeting, but not retweeting my stuff. Like just, you know, don't, don't do that. Or attack promoting your stuff underneath a tweet that's unrelated. It seems like everybody these days wants to have a viral tweet that they can plug their business underneath when you got to remember why people follow you. Right. Like, that's important. Somebody told me that because that's what I was saying. Like, people just want to go viral with a meme or a tweet and get 50000 or or 100000 And then they go, hey, by the way, I sell blah, blah. That business plug tweet always has way less likes for a reason. Way less. Some yeah. people, I'm, I'm being real, we're not here for that. You made a funny joke. I don't need you to try to upsell <laughs> me on that. Now, now you taking it too far. I'm just right. being real. You had a funny right. joke. Don't try to sell me nothing. I'm just, I hate to say it that way, but some people is like that. You got to find a way to differentiate yourself. It's nothing new under the sun, but whatever you do, you got you got to put a unique spin on it. You, you have to. You have Make to. Make it unique. I yeah. agree, Kathleen. Like, come on with the good points and making it unique. I also like your um, point about people wanting you to do the marketing for them and trying yeah. to kind of no. trip you into, you know, promoting their businesses or, you know, always tweeting it out or something like that. You know, no, do your research on the marketing. See what yeah. ways, you know, you can get though. You might can automatically tweet it yourself. You just don't know. You haven't done the research. It, so Pay for it on good, Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. And as on Twitter, ain't expensive, you know. Yeah, um, so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Queen Angel, what you got? You was next. Um, so I, I have to uh piggyback on the marketing. So now I, I kind of agree, but I also kind of disagree with the marketing because social media is so um is such a good tool for business owners. And that is true. It literally takes nothing to retweet anything, right? So I right. so I, I get about the marketing. And once again, when you're starting out, you may not know. You gotta you gotta think about it. Some of these people do genuinely do not know that you can get uh, Canva, which is the app, um, and that you can schedule your tweets, your Instagram posts, your Facebook posts, and you can schedule it out for the whole month. Some people don't know that. You would never have to tweet and actually interact with your any of your socials at all if you do this subscription you know and so some people don't know that but social media is a great tool now i don't agree with the viral tweets that you know because I, I could see somebody saying rest in peace and here you go somebody plugging in their last business that that is annoying it happens but, sometimes it definitely happens right but giveaways are are a good tool to get your business out there 
promotions are a good tool to get your, your business out there. So sometimes having a, your customer, your customer base interact with your post is a good thing. And it also is a, is a cheaper marketing tool. <laughs> but right. um, no, I don't think there's enough uh, entrepreneurs. I actually think there's not enough, especially black entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, I'm hard on everybody. My kids hate it. I will walk into IHOP. If I migrated within a couple of minutes, I'm gone. And I do oh, it to stores. Yeah, so you can't I, eat at Waffle House then. You oh, no, I don't. There. I don't. I don't. You know, I cook. So, you know, you know, you see my food posts. I actually cook. So, but right. I, um, you know, so we don't really go out. And so, and it's the same thing when we go to the stores. Like when we go in stores, you know, certain stores I wouldn't even go into because they just do not speak to you right, as a black consumer. So that's why I'm so, I'm an advocate for black businesses and, you know, spending money with black people. But also we have to get more entrepreneurs out there because, Everybody sell lashes, everybody sell hair, everybody sell makeup, and it does not matter who sell makeup, it does not matter who does it. Like like the gentleman said, you have to get your own niche, like the crayon case. That's why she's so successful, because it's a right. different thing. She puts in time and effort, she has a marketing team and everything else. She went crazy. Right. She and went if, crazy. Right, and if she can do it, then you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's it, you know, you but you have to want to do it as well. You know what I mean? So you can't just say, oh, I want to start a makeup business. I want to be like super. But you don't put in the money or the effort like she's doing. You know what I mean? So you just have to do the same thing. And you can sell makeup. You can sell whatever. It does not matter what the market is because somebody's always buying. That's just a prime example. We have a barber on here. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. There's a barbershop on almost every corner <laughs> in Slidell. You know what I mean? Like, I can go from one barbershop and go to another barbershop and go to another barbershop within a three-minute period. And nobody never says that about barbers or hairdressers. But when it comes down to businesses or, you know, like T-shirts or lashes or something else, the market is already saturated. It's not, it's no difference. I, I, I can see that. This is one point that I want to make that I'm surprised nobody made it. When it comes to being too many, um, I think there's, Maybe not too many, but there's not enough people that are willing to work with each other or business owners that are willing to get a mentor. Or sometimes you have people that, you know, go into business. Um, why isn't nobody reaching back out to other business owners, like trying to help them? You know, um, I don't think we have enough mentors when it comes to black owned business at all. Like a bug, your hand was up, but it went down. Just let me know if you want to speak real quick. Hi. I don't want to miss you. Hey. Um, I wanted to piggyback off what they said about marketing real quick. Um, I, for me, a turnoff for me is oversaturation. If mm -hmm. anything that is an ad that pops up in a video I'm watching, I'm not buying it. Anything that interrupts something that had nothing to do with what you're putting in my face, I will not buy it. Uh, it's irritating to me. I don't like oversaturation. Um, I think it's uh, you're like you're diluting everything. It becomes obnoxious to me personally. Uh, I just, I won't do it. That's just my two cents. Got you. Got you. Lady Sideshow, you got your hand up. What you got? Hey, y'all. Oh, let me see. Hey. Let, me put my, let me put my, oh, I put my hand back up. I'm sorry. No, you um, So I was listening to what y'all say, and I'm going to say I'm definitely that person. If you think that people are going to have a platform that is getting the reach of millions of people 
and they're not going to plug themselves, that would be stupid. Now, I'm not saying don't do paid ads. I do that. My car that I drive, I have a sticker on the back of my car with my website on it. Everywhere that I go, I usually wear my own stuff. So if somebody says, oh, hey, I like that. I'm like, cool, you can buy one. Like, You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. not saying only rely on that. But as a business owner, if you have that reach and you're not taking advantage of it, that would be stupid. Now, are there going to be people like what y'all said that are like, oh, I came here because you said something funny. I really don't care about the fact that you're a nail tech. Yes. But there's also going to be people that will see it there and they will support you. So if you have something, if people are already watching you and you don't plug it, it's kind of like you're missing that free advertisement. If any of y'all ever look at what your analytics are, how many people actually look at your tweets or see your videos or if you do Instagram or whatever, like a lot of people are on social media all the time. Absolutely. So instead of you having your pinned tweet be that one thing you said about Donald Trump five years ago, why not have it be your business when there's going to be a whole lot of people that see your page every day? That's going to be the first thing that they see. That's a good point. So you said even if you did go viral for something, you have to take the opportunity to showcase what you do, basically. Absolutely. And I'm, that's why I said I'm that person. Do I do paid ads and a whole bunch of other stuff? Do I actually go out? you know, do pop-up shops where people can see me and see my products. Yes, I do. But at the same time, to establish a social media platform and to have followers, that's part of what makes you stand out. Because, yeah, I'm not the only person that has lashes or hoodies or anything that I do. But part of me standing out is that these people, they might have a connection to me because they follow me. They see what I'm talking about every day. They might want to support me or whatever versus the girl down the block. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. So when people say like, oh, well, this is social media, we're not here for that. But at the same time, you are. Because yeah. how is, if you're looking at my tweets, if I'm tweeting about the NBA game and you're looking at it and underneath my tweet, they threw, they throw in an ad for Nissan, you didn't come to my tweet to read about a car, but that's what they're going to show you. So how right. is that any different if somebody paid to plug a car dealership right there? How is that any different than me plugging myself? You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. That's Kathleen. Get him. He the one said that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to tell you that. <laughs> I was like, let me get a mic because I'm going to say right now. I do that. Talk your talk. Do that. <laughs> and listen, this is what the space is for. You know, all different kinds of perspectives. Um, and all business owners, I really want y'all, I'm going to highlight everybody at the end of this. We don't have that long left. So I really want y'all to stay on because I want to give each of y'all a time to highlight yourself. Because again, this is about Black-owned support and things that we're seeing, what we could do better and what we expect. Shada Barber, you had your hand up. What you got? Uh, just answering your question about why do why don't more businesses uh, work together? Please I'm say, answer this. Please <laughs> and mentorship. Why don't black business owners try to reach out for mentorship? Um, to put it simply, crab in the bucket mentality, especially mm -hmm. amongst the um smaller black communities and smaller black businesses. Um, 
people want to see you do good, but they don't want to see you do better than them. And operating out of fear of you doing better than where you are, a lot of times people will put those invisible roadblocks in front of you, be it through not working with you, um, not publicly celebrating you, um, not being willing to open those doors of um, opportunity for you right. that they know right. may be available to you that can help you, that you can um, you can benefit from. Um, it's funny you said that because I feel like that's something that we touched on on that live the other day. Yeah. I, um, I take every opportunity that I can to publicly celebrate any victory of anybody in the barbering industry. Like the uh, the lady who was speaking earlier, I want to say her name was uh, Queen. The lady who was saying she she cooked. She was saying she don't see barbers or barbershops or salons talk about oversaturation. But please, please, please don't buy into that narrative because it's not true. You don't see it from a consumer's perspective. But let me tell you, the owners and the, the people working inside of those salons are talking about it every single day. Because just like everything else, after <laughs> the panini, <clears throat> it's forced people to jump into ownership. It's forced people to jump into entrepreneurship or whatever you want to call it. And because of that, it may seem like things are oversaturated, but what it is is just people taking a shot. This we we nobody said it on this this space yet, but this is America. You know what I mean? Quote unquote land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Everybody has heard that their whole life, but now the Panini just gave everybody equal footing in reaching out for their opportunity. You understand what I'm saying? I understand. I understand. Miss Cindy, what you got? Two things. Um, I think that part of the reason why it, we see a lack of us coming together and working together is because we look at each other's competition. Mm-hmm. I do not see anybody else who sells bonnets as competition because the way I see it, we can all eat. The table's big enough. There's enough money to go around. But I do think that a lot of people look at who else is selling their product as a competition. And that just, mm-hmm. to me, kind of defeats the purpose of us treating the black community. Because like y'all were saying earlier, many people sell different variations of the same thing. So there's it's okay to do that. But I think that we just, out of fear or out of the idea, the scarcity mindset that only a few of us can make it, everyone's trying to make it but not help everyone else make it. So I think that the fear of there's only going to be a small handful of us to get to the top and it's going to be me and not y'all, that kind of drives the whole idea that we don't want to work together. But I will also say that with somebody who has a large following on TikTok and Twitter, I post my stuff repeatedly um, just because that is free advertisement. And I do think that I will say that I am tasteful with it. I'm not obnoxious with with posting my things. However, like if, I have, if, I make, if I make a tweet and it goes viral, depending on the subject of the tweet, I will plug my bonnets under the tweet. Now, if I'm talking about somebody who's passed away, I'm not plugging my business <laughs> under that. You know, we ain't going I'm that far. With it. I'm very tasteful, but I do think that if you have a following, a substantial following on on your social media, to ignore that is missing out on a bag because if you're mm. i have impressions that hit the millions if you think i'm going to not post my bonnets because somebody that i don't know doesn't want to see it <laughs> no Come on. That is, that's, that is free advertisement and i know there have been times in the past where i have had tweets go viral and i've posted my bonnets under the tweets and it may have gotten 10 retweets but i got 20 orders so it's like 
you have to think about it. You know, social media, while you may not be on social media to to spend money, other people are. So just keep that in mind. If you're listening to this young entrepreneur, if you have a tweet go viral, plug it is tasteful. Plug your information under there because people do read that. So yeah, just want to say that, y'all. Absolutely. Plug it in a tasteful way. I like that you said that. Kathleen, be nice now. They own you. What you got? <laughs> nah, um, the two the two ladies are. Uh... Um, they 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 kind of said what I should have said. I should have clarified it. I think yeah. that it has to be tasteful. Like I said, well, not like I said. I didn't say it, but I think that if you're gonna plug your tweet, I just feel like it should be relevant to the tweet and somewhat tasteful, <laughs> somewhat relevant and tasteful. Like for example, without me being explicit, because this ain't that kind of space. Let's say you can't tweet about wanting to give a nigga the gut the Gawk Gawk 3000, and then, hey, I sell brownies. Like, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, no, that's. What an example. Yeah, but you I'm can. Just, hey, yo, and it's you a should. girl. What happened? But you can, and you should, because it's just no, like, no, I, you if your tweet is about basketball, Twitter is going to come underneath and offer you an ad about a sports car. It doesn't but, matter if it's related or no, not. No, it's first, no. When when you when you go underneath an NBA tweet and there's a tweet about Nissan, Nissan paid for the ad, and one of the parameters that they set was based on ages, blah blah blah, and related to such and such. They don't put it under just anything. It doesn't have to be. It has to. It's those tweets are under tweets that are loosely related. They somebody go. Somebody that has made literally thousands of dollars off of doing that respectfully. I will disagree with you, and I, I will die on that hill. That's 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 fine. I'm just I'm just that, and that's the beauty of everything. I'm not saying it's it's no it's not factually wrong. I'm just saying, for example, I don't know the name. I don't know her name because I'm muted her. But there's a girl on here like she posts her OnlyFans underneath any and everything. I've seen her post her shit underneath um, TMZ death announcements, and that's uh, that's that's uncouth to me. Like not that's, tasteful, right? Yeah. Like to me again. Technically, and to me, in my opinion, doing that is throwing sh throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And to me, that's not the way you should go about it. If you're gonna plug your stuff, I think it should be tasteful. It don't even gotta be. It don't even gotta be relevant no more. I'm I'm gonna let go at that point because I've seen people. You know, as long as it's tasteful, you don't need to post about being the throat goat and then plugging your your lashes underneath. I oh, just don't. No. Part, if it's somebody else's tweet, I don't do that. Even if it's yours, if it's not related, if it's sexual and then you talk about food, I just don't. To me, I just think that's kind of distasteful to, for that to be where you do that at. To me, that's again, I'm not saying it's factually wrong, but just for me personally, I just think what, what tweets you plug your stuff under should matter. And like you said, it, it would help if your stuff was pinned too. That drives me nuts. Yeah. Is pinned. As soon as you go to my page, that's gonna be the first thing you see is gonna be a video talking about why you should buy something from me. Yeah, but I to I Ebony Cutie, I was gonna say you're really good about not making your stuff super pushy because I too am a black TikToker girl. So when I see your like sometimes you're just making a video like talking about whatever. But, like, you have your bonnet on. So there's going to be somebody that's going to see it and they're going to say to you, like, hey, I like your bonnet. Where did you get it? And then that gives you a chance to plug yourself without always making a video saying, hey, by the way, buy a bonnet for me, which is the same thing that I do when I make my videos. 
Like, I put up a video today that's at, like, 10,000 views right now, but there's comments on there. People are asking me about my lashes, which opens the door for me to say, oh, I'm so glad you like these. Let me tell you where you can buy some. So there is other right. ways to go about it creatively versus literally every single thing that you post being like, hey, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. Because I agree with you. Nobody wants to see that all of the time. Like these people are not going to follow me if every single thing that I post is a plug. Yeah, I call that silent marketing. Like, my, I'm, I'm known to wear my bonnets on social media. And there's a method to the madness. <laughs> Almost every video that I post, there's going to be one person asking about my bonnet. So, yeah, I do believe in silent marketing where it's very subtle, but it's also very noticeable. Thank you for noticing that. I appreciate that. Yes, I do. I look at all of that stuff. And see, this is the thing, too, sometimes, especially because of the pandemic, people look at it and say, oh, now everybody is a business owner. Everybody has an idea, this and that. Just because it just so happened to come to fruition during the pandemic, you I don't feel like you can automatically discredit people as if they haven't put in time and they don't know the ins and outs of it or whatever. Because there's people, me, that studied business. That's what I went to school for. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like you when people look at it and be like, oh, now everybody does this, everybody does that. And it's like, yeah, there are people who just get into it and it's like a fad they just want to see and they're irresponsible it doesn't last or whatever but if you think about it covid started two years ago so those people are not going to still be in business by now anyways if they're not running it properly absolutely, absolutely. so i think they we will fade out we need to get away from that all of a sudden assuming like everybody that's doing something is just now getting into it or they just were doing it because they were sitting at home during COVID and they were bored. Like quarantine was two years ago. You're not still going to be doing what you're doing. If you're not making no money, you're not going to make money. If you're not taking care of your people, if you're not properly managing your social media, your customer service your whatever. Cause one thing about black folks, we will complain. So that is one thing that I always am so serious about. I take care of everybody. Nobody is going to come on here and say, oh, I bought something from her and she never shipped it. Nobody's going to say, oh, she ripped me off. The quality was bad. Nothing. Nobody on on any social can ever say they had a bad experience with me, which, again, is something that's going to set me apart. Because when people come on here and say, oh, I got this from you. I liked it. It was cute. It might get two retweets. But if somebody says, hey, I bought this from her and it was shitty, it's going to blow up. Right, right. And I think uh, business owners have to be mindful of that because negativity will blow before your positives will blow. So I think that's a good point that, you know, business owners have to take care of their consumers. Uh, Rebel King, so we're going to end with you because then I want to highlight the business owners in the space and uh, give y'all some of y'all night back. Rebel King, so what you got? How you doing, Miss Lovely? Good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Look, it's been a pleasure to be listening in. I love being a platform where we can uh, constructively come together and just build. But I wanted to be, it took me a little minute to figure out how to raise my hand. I ain't going to lie. I had to go to Google real quick. (laughs) So it was a lot of points that I missed, but I do want to say this. I want to make sure that we are all very careful and cognizant 
to think about whose narrative it is when it comes to black anything, black owned, mm-hmm. black support, black history, who is actually controlling that narrative and does it's the root of that narrative for you rooted in white patriarchy because majority of it is. Uh, I'll even start with using the narrative of uh, Shonda Barber. Shout out to Shonda Barber, bro. I don't know why I rock with you, bro, but I, I just I, I, I was I was rocking with you through this whole thing. Um, <clears throat> I heard crab in the in the bucket mentality when it comes to support and all that. That's that's yeah. another narrative that did not come from us. Because mm. if we take that narrative alone, we'll figure out a lot about black owned business and how support goes too. Because a crab only pulling each other out of the bucket because somebody put it in the bucket without the resources that it needs to survive on its own. You don't see crabs and pulling on each other. Crabs are pulling on each other. Then we got to think about how much of this, how we scrutinize black businesses based on white patriarchy. Because it is. Because we're going to hold our brothers and sisters to a standard because we know they watch. Right? You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, come on now, brother. You know these folks trying to see. <laughs> Blah, 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 blah. You know they looking for us to yeah. fail. And, and, yeah. and I think I think because we're not brutally honest with ourselves about black space in general, still the ideology being rooted in, our, our comparisons are rooted in white patriarchy. Because we're talking about, it's totally different from, and I heard comparisons to Asian business, Indian business, this and that. Well, let's think about some of the resources that they maintain let's think about they maintain their language so they could talk to their great 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 grandfather who owned this and that i know a mm. bro, i know an indian guy here that owns a store in my parish that his family passed down 35 other stores you know what i'm saying so it, right. they there was room for error there because you have the finances you have the resources you have the 15 lineages of people who didn't pass down stores which we don't necessarily get. Now, I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying, make sure your narrative is your own. Make sure that we're not holding these, because a lot of the things that I've heard, I know that white businesses are doing too. I know that billion-dollar businesses cut corners. It's just a corner that is not in our tax bracket, so we wouldn't understand mm. that corner to be cut. You understand what I'm saying? I think when totally. you deal with anything black and we speak about anything black, we need to make sure that it's actually our narrative and it's not rooted in white patriarchy. And, and I have to agree to disagree and agree with everyone here because everybody was right. Because it's all about balance, right? Yes. Everything that you're saying is about balance. We, we got to remember that Kylie Jenner is supposed to be some super business savvy woman, but you had tools and resources you, you never were put in a bucket. Understand that everybody here, somebody in your bloodline was put in a bucket. Financial redlining plays a part. Uh, all these things play a part. Your parents, 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 parents didn't have access to nothing that makes them financial living. So you break that cycle. Even in consumerism and being an entrepreneur, I think that the route to fixing it is remember that in the connected dot, we got to start at, at zero, one to go to 150. At 75, I can still see that's a bird, but I can't tell what type of bird till we finish it. So we got to start at the root of everything and realize that a lot of the way that we view the black business, the wild way that we view how we support it and consumerism is in comparison subconsciously to white patriarchy. Come on, drop your mic. I don't know if you got a mic, but drop your mic on that one. I loved it. I loved Come on with the round of applause. So listen, 
One, I want to thank everybody for taking the time to be here. Uh, again, you're tuned in to Look Who's Ranting Now, Twitter space, where we're here every Tuesday um, at 8.30. So I want to take this time. This whole entire space was about Black-owned support, right? And the things that we see with it. So this is for the business owners. I, I can't see everybody, but if you are a business owner, I really want to highlight you. I want you to take your time. Highlight your business and tell us where we can support you, what you sell. Okay, so I'm going to start with Miss Cindy. Uh, go ahead and highlight yourself, girl. Hey, y'all. Um, my name is Cindy Noir. I sell luxury bonnets that come with hair ties that you can secure around your head so that your bonnet does not fall off when you're asleep at night. My bonnets are double-lined, which means they're essentially two uh, bonnets sewn together, so it's double the quality. They are very long-lasting, and they are a great investment for you if you take care of your hair, uh, whether it's natural, perm, whatever you have it. The bonnets are able to accommodate all hairstyles, and they are long-lasting. If you want to shop with me, the link to my website is in my bio and in my pinned tweet. Um, is there anything else that I should include? The, the link in my bio also yes, takes you to my social media, um, my TikTok, my, my, well, this is Twitter, uh, and my Instagram as well. So please follow me. If you don't want to support, uh, my business, that's fine, but do follow me on my other platforms. I'd appreciate it. But yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much, and, pretty uh, much it. Cindy, tell them your handle, please. What's your handle? My you handle across you? social media's, uh, accounts is ebony at ebony underscore QT. So that's yes. at Ebony, E-B-O-N-I-E, underscore Q, the letter Q and the letter T. And I'm telling everybody, she has great content and great bonnets. Okay, so y'all make sure y'all follow her. Thank uh, you. Next, um, you are so welcome. Thank you for being here. Lady Sideshow, you also said that you're an entrepreneur. Please highlight yourself. Hey, y'all. My name is Tara. Um, I started with cosmetics. Um, I started with lashes and eyeshadow, but now I have clothes too. I have, um, like hoodies and t-shirts that I designed myself. I also have things that are more like, um, like sundresses and things you would find at like forever 21 type stuff. I have things from a small all the way up to a three X or a six X. I have a, a lot of variety, whatever you're looking for um and my link is in my bio and also in my pin tweet awesome and what's your handle so that they can uh find you um i my tiktok is sounds like t-a-r-a um and that's my instagram and that's my other twitter name um on this account i try to be myself you know so i don't want to use the same name Got you, got you, got you. Thank you so much for being here. Good luck with everything. Shout a barber. Come on, step up. Highlight yourself, please. What's going on, good people? And uh, thank you, everybody, for the opinions tonight. I, I got some, got a little bit of uh, information off of this, man, that I'm going to kind of add to my perspective with things, and hopefully I can have a better perspective. But uh, I'm Shada Barber. That's C-H-Y with a Y because everybody uses an I, so I changed that up. Uh, I have a barbershop here in uh, Murfreesboro. We're growing rapidly, expanding, actually, in the process of expanding and blowing out the back to make it bigger. But uh, we focus on customer service and overall experience over haircuts. When you come in, trust and believe your haircut will be guaranteed. I promise you that. But above that, we want to make sure that when you come into my shop, you leave it 
with a better perspective on life and a better understanding of who you are as an African-American man or woman. Um, you can find us at 401 East Vine Street, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37130. You can reach us at 615-445-9459. Instagram handle is barber. All platforms are the same. Except Thank for this you. one. This one is, uh, I guess, Barber Shy. So I'm like the Barber underscore Shy. Thank you so much, Shada Barber, for being here. RT, stay alone. Would you like to highlight your business, please? Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, whether you're moving locally or nationwide, you can always get a great job done with Bargain Moving Company. You can find us on Google, and um, we can service just about anywhere. You know, if it's a long-distance move or moving from state to state, definitely check out Bargain Moving Company, and uh, we'll get you done. We'll get you squared away. And your other business? Oh, this one right here. Yeah, The most important one. <laughs> Look who's right, right now, of course, businesses. man. <laughs> the most important one, right? <laughs> Definitely, man. I, I, Like, you guys have already supported this business right here just by being a part of this show. Um, you know, being great, providing great information. And even as an entrepreneur and, and business owner, I took away so much from this. Great perspectives, you know, to hear from consumers. That's what I want to hear from. You know, I, I have friends that are entrepreneurs, like uh, entrepreneurs like Shada Barber, you know, business owners and whatnot. Um, but, man, to hear from people's consumers' perspective was, was perfect. You know what I'm saying? Courtney it wasn't was. playing. Courtney wasn't playing. He letting you know how it, how it go down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As far as consumers. And uh, what was the other guy that came in? He, he let you know. You know, no DMing, no no none of that. That was Cap Lee. <laughs> Cap Lee. And uh, listen, the person of the night, Soul Shopper, he came in there with the knowledge. Knowledge. Deep, brother. Yes. Deep, brother. Very deep. Very, Very deep. deep. Yes. Very deep. See, I appreciate yes. y'all, man. Really do. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys so much for joining us. Remember, you're tuned in to Look Who's Ranting Now Twitter space. We're also a podcast. We'll be live on Thursday, 8.30 as well. Listen, I want y'all to also come back next week. I'll go ahead and give y'all the topic for next week. Next week, we're going to discuss, can you force a man into parenthood? Okay, that's going to be the topic for next week. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're going to just digest that. And I hope to see you all next week again. Thank you so much for being here. Y'all could be anywhere else in the world, but you're spending time here, and we really appreciate you. Um, We're going to be live again on Thursday on YouTube at 8.30. Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a great week. I'll see y'all later. Host. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Look, big up yourself, look. Hey, what's happening, man? Baby, it's quiet the whole night. I've been here, I've been here listening. <laughs> Shout out, man. Big up to everybody. Most, most definitely, man. Big ups to you, man, for being a, a real supporter, man. A real supporter, always here. And of course, Tony Gray, we see you. You see you. Hey, Tony. Remember to follow the podcast and come back next week, Thursday at 8.30 p.m. live on Podbean.